All right, I'm Gabe Myers here with the Right On Sports Podcast, and Jason Casera is out on the injured list today, so we got a guest host, Brent Bilski, who's filling in. Brent, how are you doing today? Hey, how you doing, guys? It's been a while since I got to talk some sports, so I'm excited to be here. Thank you very much for having me today. Of course, Brent. So we're going to talk a lot of NBA today, an exciting list of game ones here in the NBA yes, playoffs. absolutely. Finally, something to take my mind off all this COVID and all this nonsense going on craziness had into probably the best game i've seen in a long time last night so looking forward to it yeah that lake that lakers blazers game last night was awesome we got some baseball there's a lot of uh, uproar coming up over unwritten rules in a game of baseball what do we think about that Wah. yeah i'm not a big fan of it either and of course it is august which means the nfl is just around the corner a lot of stuff going on some teams say there's gonna be fans in the stands Dak Prescott still isn't paid. The Texans say they want to pay Deshaun Watson before the season starts. They better. Yeah, they need to. We'll have all this and more right here on the Ride On Sports Podcast. This is the Ride On Sports Podcast with Jason Cassera and Gabe Myers, your best source for local sports talk. The Ride On crew will be highlighting all your favorite local teams and everything else the world of sports has to offer from right here in the Coastal Bend. All right, here we are. I'm Gabe Myers with the guest host today, Brent Bilski. Brent, last night we were talking, and you just could not have been more excited about that Lakers-Blazers game last night. Well, uh, somebody who was trying to warn the LeBron stands, and I don't know how you feel about LeBron. Um, as a person, I like him. I, I cannot say enough about that because I think uh, people are going to hear what I'm going to say and think I'm— you automatically get called a hater— if you don't call him God, and I'm sorry, I'm just not in that in that level. He's not MJ to me, um, and so I was warning a lot of my friends on Facebook that are the I, I just call them the Bronze Stands. Like I'm telling you, this Portland team is a different eighth seed. This is very reminiscent of the Knicks in the lockout season, uh, the Nuggets when they upset Seattle. Like there's a different feel to them, and I was just warning them. I was like, this is not going to be a cakewalk. And they found out last night that this is not going to be a cakewalk. So it was a lot of it was a lot of fun for me to watch. And of course, Dame time, yeah. Dame time. So as far as LeBron, where I stand, uh, he's a great player. Uh, I don't think he's the goat. Uh, I'm with you that in the social media realm, if you if you don't call him king, if you don't call him God, you're labeled as a hater. Um, but I thought the Lakers would because here's here was my problem with Portland. Mm -hmm. They don't uh, until last night. They don't defend well. I saw them get lit up by Memphis and by the Nets and by the Clippers without Kawhi and Paul George. They're along 120, 130 points. But then last night they come in, the Lakers only scored 93. That is a problem. Well, for one, the Lakers are shooting way too many threes for having so many mediocre shooters, and that's something they need to look into. Um, but the bubble's different. It's, it's, a whole, it's a whole new world. It is a different, weird place to be. So... In these playing games, as important as they were to Portland, Portland actually probably had, I mean, considering what they had to do to even get to the eight seed, they had the hardest road. But it's still, when you don't have fans, defense, dun, dun, and you don't have that energy, it's just sometimes you need the actual moment. Any NBA team can play defense. I mean, you have obviously your D'Antoni, who I defend. I love D'Antoni. 
Um, he has a problem with centers for some reason. But I, I guess my point is, at that level, at that athletic with that athleticism, they can all play defense if they're put in the pressure and the need to be. So I guess I wasn't as worried as others because they are so competitive right now. Portland is in a different zone. They remind me very much of a pissed-off college team. Um, this is very important to them for some reason. And I guess it didn't shock me as much as others. Yes, they did not statistically have a great regular season defensively, but when you get into high-pressure games, any NBA team that wants to play defense can play defense. Yeah, I think what I was most concerned with with Portland was – and this, so this is – one where I was most concerned with with Portland before the series, and now two where I was most disappointed with with LeBron in Game One. I didn't know who was going to guard LeBron. Was it going to be Carmelo Anthony, who's never been a good defender? Right. Was it going to be Gary Trent, who I like him. I really like him as a player, mm. but he's six foot four and yes. about two hundred pounds. Was it going to be Mario Hazonia, who is you know a backup, you know a rotation player at best. Really, probably shouldn't even be in a playoff rotation if it wasn't for Trevor Ariza sitting out of the bubble. So he's your solid Euro Bellinelli type. I mean, I know I, I get what you're saying, but uh, there's obviously better options out there than Azonia. But as, I, I'm defensively yeah, specifically. Yeah, yeah. So I, from LeBron, what I was expecting from LeBron was just utter dominance from the outset. Mm-hmm. The what what I was saying to my friends was the wake. So if you watch the Clippers uh, Mavericks game, if what I noticed was yes. anytime Kawhi had Maxi Kleber on him. Kawhi just said, screw everybody else, I'm going to go score. Mm. I wanted LeBron to have that mentality, just whoever was guarding him for Portland, because I don't think anybody has the physicality to guard him. Unless you put a big on him, then you can just drive right past him. Well, this is this has been LeBron for 17 years. The only person that stops LeBron James is LeBron James. There is no one in the NBA that should be able to guard LeBron James. He is 6'8", 260, with point guard skills. His three-point shot continues to improve. He is the most talented player I've ever seen. That I, and I, and I want to make sure I get that across. He's the most talented. He just, it's not in him. We all want him to have the mentality of, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to dominate. And you've seen, you've, we've seen it in moments. I mean, there was the, uh, when he was much younger, the 28, uh, 26, 28 straight points against the Pistons. Uh, yeah, that was in 07. Uh, the Heat game seven against the Spurs, I want to say. Yeah, um, and even that fourth quarter, the Heat game six against the Spurs in 13, he really took over. Like, yeah. like, he has had those moments, or the, the 2016 finals against the Warriors. He's had those moments where he's really taken over games, and maybe he didn't think he had to do that in the first round against somebody, but I was expecting just because Portland has – they don't have the personnel to guard him. I wanted him to just take over from the outset, just have one of those signature series. And while his stat line was great, I think it was 23 points, 17 right. rebounds, 15 assists, he didn't – as weird as it is to say, it was a quiet, you know, triple-double with that stat line. He did not just force – you know, he. I think he needs to just forcefully just for, – he needs to uh, – he needs to uh, – uh, I'm tripping over words here, but he, he needs to make his presence felt against Portland. This is, but this is, And this has been my issue with him from, from day one. I still remember uh, game one against the Warriors in the finals a couple of years ago. The J.R. Smith game? Uh, yes, but also but the play that bothered me. You're LeBron James. It's game one. You're back at home in Cleveland. You're trying to win him a title. You have Steph Curry on you in an isolation at the top of the key. That's barbecue chicken. That's nothing. And I love Steph Curry. 
But there's no way in hell he's supposed to be able to stop LeBron James. He makes the quote-unquote smart play and throws a Jordan Clarkson in the corner. It's just the way he—it's just not his nature because in statistically, or I guess if you try to overthink the game, it would be considered a bad shot. But the great players— take what would be considered a bad shot for somebody else, but that's because you're the best player and it's got to be your ball. That's not Clarkson's moment. That's not last night, you know, KCP's moment. That's not Danny Green's moment. That's your time. And it's, I mean, after 17 years, I guess I've just learned to not expect it from him consistently because it's, for whatever reason, he just... I always said, if we can give him a lobotomy, I would love to see him have a Westbrook's brain <laughs> for like a year because he should put up holy crap records. LeBron James to this day should have every record, maybe other than Wilt Chamberlain scoring. He should have dominant, he should have dominant numbers we've never seen. And he has great ones. But he's just not the guy who wants it. Like when, The shot Dame took last night, yeah, pulling up from pretty much the logo off a of pick and roll. Dumbass shot. Are you out of your mind? It's a tie game. There's still 15 seconds on the clock, and you're jacking from 40. But Dame knew it's Dame time, and it's my ball. It was a dumb shot until it went in. Exactly. And and LeBron doesn't do it. So it's not a mean thing. It's just not his nature, man. The only person I can stop – I know what you're saying, though, as far as, like, there really isn't anyone on Portland that's going to be able to match up with them one-on-one. That's why Stotts and team defense is going to have to be an issue. I, I personally would think Trent, because he has the least amount of pressure offensively, even though he's a little shorter, he's quick, stay physical on him, get in his grill. I mean, but how physical can you stay when you're 200 pounds, 210, and LeBron's 260 out there? I mean, you're going to— And gonna, he's got a four- or five-inch height advantage. But he's also a guy who will take— Two three I, minutes off. It, I I think what I like what you said where it's like he makes the smart play. Yeah. Where it's like where I guess statistically like in, in on a spreadsheet it's the right play to throw to Danny Green in the corner. Yes. Um. Like it's the right play or to Alex Caruso or whoever. But I, at a certain point, like basketball and just any sport, it's not played on paper. It's not played on a spreadsheet. You have to impose your will. That's what I was trying to say earlier. I couldn't yeah. figure it out. But you got to impose your will. And I've seen LeBron impose his will before. Now again, he, sometimes you want to see a little, you want to see it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I've seen, but you know, we've all seen him do it before. We've all seen him have those games where it's like, oh my gosh, I've never seen a player like this before. Um, and I wanted to see that against Portland, not just last night, but in this series in general, mm-hmm. because it's nobody on that team can guard him. No, and it doesn't help that Anthony Davis went eight for twenty-four shooting, only had I think six points in the second half. That's a big reason why the Lakers lost, and somebody else needs does need to step up. But I think LeBron in this series, he just needs to realize, hey, nobody out here can guard me. I can go get 40 a night, and I'm going to drag the rest of the team along with me to the next round of the playoffs. And that's what he's – he better figure that out soon because this Portland team, they don't fear them. And that is one thing I've noticed when, you know, the LeBron versus the MJ argument and all that. I see a lot of people, they don't fear LeBron the way they should. And that's because of kind of what we're talking about, because he doesn't a lot of time just take over the game like he can or he has the ability to. So I like Portland in six. You Okay, I was about to ask you who you like. In the, so I picked – so I did a playoff preview. It's on the right on sports feed for those of you ha, for, who haven't listened. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked the Lakers in five games because of that LeBron matchup. I just thought there's no one to guard him. He's just going to have his way. And he didn't in game one. Now – 
I could see the Lakers winning the next four games. They've done it before. I mean, sure. I could. But now, after watching last night, but it's not. But what concerns me is they only scored 93 points against Portland. Yeah. And Portland's not a good defensive team. Now, the Lakers, like you said, they shoot a lot of threes for a team that doesn't have a lot Way of good shooters. Many. 15% last night, and I think they jacked 43. I think it was five, 5 of 34 or something like I, that. I, yeah, I actually have that here somewhere. You're, yeah. But you're pretty much in Yeah, it, right. like they, they, they took a lot, and they did not make a lot of them. Uh, it was a not not a great game for the Lakers shooting. Anthony Davis eight five of thirty two, fifteen point six percent. Five of thirty two, yeah. And I mean, Danny Green has to shoot better. He has some open looks that he missed. I mean, they they're paying him fifteen million dollars a year to hit open threes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got he's got to knock them down. Um, I mean, it's just tough when you know Kyle Kuzma super inconsistent. Alex Caruso is he your fourth best player right now? I mean, they have the lesser of the two Morris twins. I mean. And this is why I didn't pick the Lakers to win the championship, despite having LeBron and AD. I just don't think they have enough good players. See, that's where I guess if LeBron would play up to the level that he could, I, I think this is one of the more talented rosters he's had. Now, what they need to do are things he doesn't but, like to but do. But who's their third guy? If you would go third, you'd have to go Kuzma. I mean, even though he's heavily inconsistent, he would be the guy that, as far as talent and ability to get you that 25 that you need a guy to get you every now and again as the third player, he would be the one. But, I mean, um, the fact that Waiters and Smith didn't see the floor I thought was an odd choice by Vogel. Uh, As much as J.R. Smith smokes more than Cheech and Chong and has half a brain sometimes— he is an excellent outside shooter when they needed it last night. And he's actually competitive defensively. Yes. He's extremely athletic. I remember watching J.R. Smith in the high school All-American game, not knowing him from the man on the moon, and taking a mental note of him because he was, he's just so unbelievably talented. De- uh, Deion Waiters is... Uh, he needs a little maybe... He, he's a wild card. Yeah. But I think the problem with J.R. and Dion for the Lakers, and I think specifically for LeBron, is... but this, You can say it's about the whole roster, but especially with J.R. and Dion, you have no clue what you're getting. That's why, though, you got to at least give... Especially on the night where you're struggling. And the Lakers have struggled in this bubble the whole time. This, this, this isn't the first night they've struggled offensively. The Lakers have had really hard time scoring. And one of the things is, and this is another thing I don't understand about LeBron, Especially being kind of the new Magic Johnson, you know, being the six eight point guard leading the the Lakers, he doesn't like the fast break, and and, and it's a very frustrating thing for me to watch. I I think the reason why he, you don't want to get into an up and down game with Portland, I think that plays right because the, what's going to happen is Portland's going to come down hitting threes, and you're going to be getting you know dunks and layups. You don't have to go seven you, seconds or less, but when you're LeBron and you're so dangerous in the open floor, and and when you're struggling offensively, those extra three four easy buckets you get can make and could have and would have made the difference last night. Um, sometimes you just need to see the ball go in, uh, game changing plays. I'm a big momentum guy, so that fast break, you know, the what's the famous picture when Wade throws it to LeBron and he's doing his arms yeah. spread out like that. Stuff like that can get a team going, and that's something LeBron needs to also be a little more aware of. Is he has to now inspire a very like you said. There's a lot of inconsistent guys on this team, but when they are confident, they can really roll. And so you look to your main guy to give you that. So, See, and that's why I think if LeBron comes out and just imposes his will on Portland, I think the rest of the team gets really confident yes. right away. Because it's like, oh, LeBron is going to manhandle everybody else. I just ship in a little here, a little there. We got this series over with pretty quickly. We're moving on to Houston and OK- or OKC. The dumbest strategy I've heard any coach at any level is the idea to let the star get off. 
I have never understood it. I think it's just complete because, uh, again, going to the mentality of a game, when you're the role player and you have the pressure on you, that's not what you're there for. And You're when, playing off your superstar. Right. When your superstar is rolling, everyone else kind of goes, okay, we're good. Because if, if nothing if nothing else, I can just give it to him and we'll get our bucket. And, and speaking of that, you know what the biggest shot of the game was last night that's not being talked about? Portland was down six. It was about four minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. Off offensive rebound with a second left on the shot clock, Damian Lillard hits a three. Yes. Puts Portland down three. From that moment on, the Blazers took over and won the game. Yes. They outscored the Lakers, I want to say, from that point on, 19 to – I think it was 19 to six. Like and, that, 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 and it was Lillard hitting. It was Lillard hitting that shot. Rest of the team knew. Okay, he's here. He's going to close it out for us. And and that's exactly what I'm saying. That that momentum, that confidence play of everyone going. Okay, Dame's got us. We're good. And that's something LeBron has to take more responsibility for going forward. Although, I mean, we we all talk about LeBron the whole time. We can, and you know, going eight of twenty four, but also Anthony Davis was statistically the leader in everything but assist for the season. But that was also because LeBron – they were kind of feeding Anthony Davis the ball. They wanted him to be the leading scorer. I mean, uh, if, if you watch the Lakers, uh, LeBron was def- LeBron was definitely the, the engine. LeBron I, LeBron was the engine of the Lakers sure. all year. And the smart thing they finally done after 17 years is put him at point guard where he wants to be. He's never wanted to be a small forward, a two-guard, some of the where he has a lot of that scoring pressure. I thought that was smart to finally let him get point guard, and he, and he actually uh, led the league in assists this year and had his first double-digit assist year, which he should have been doing from his rookie year. I mean, he's got unbelievable court vision. Uh, he, he's very reminiscent Magic Bird in, in that era. But at the same time, Anthony Davis, I mean, you could say that, but he really is another one who, and this goes with all LeBron teams, he gets all the credit and he gets all the blame. And no one's really talked a lot about Anthony Davis. He technically was the leading scorer, leading rebounder, you know, a lot of, a lot of the leader block leading steals and did not have a good game as well against a team that he really should have. I mean, as much as I like Nurkic, athletically, he's not Anthony Davis. Neither is Hassan Whiteside. And I think if Anthony Davis dominates inside, yes. uh, that that will also alleviate a lot of – if Davis, instead of 8-24, of goes 12-24, of the Lakers win the game. And that's the other key I could see to where the Lakers could do something different is uh, really, really, in a world of small ball, go the opposite. Well, that's what they've done playing McGee and Davis or Howard and Davis together this year. But use them more, I guess, I guess in the offensive side too. Like really just pound it inside – Try to get easier buckets. They need to get easier buckets. When you when you're a team offensively struggling, sometimes you just you'll, you'll see a score. He'll make just one free throw. It's just something about seeing the ball go in. It's like, whew, okay, I got my rhythm back. You know, just getting some easy buckets. They just need easier shots than what they're getting, and they're jacking way too many threes. They're taking a lot of contested shots. And again, Portland has nothing to lose. They are not scared. And I want to know how much. We can blame Patrick Beverly and Paul George for all of this. <laughs> yeah, I told I told you last night it was all part of their master plan to get the Lakers knocked out of the playoffs was to piss off Damian Lillard. I, the entire NBA world has changed ever since those two had the audacity to 
piss off Damian Lillard. I mean, he went on to score 154 points the next three games. But the thing is, they don't have to see Lillard until the conference finals. Again. Right. They, they're letting Lillard way lace to everybody else. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? As much as I can't stand Patrick, Patrick Beverly is that guy who dives in pickup games and will sprain your knee because he's just a spaz, but he can also get in your head. Maybe that was part of their game plan. You know, you, you never know with him. He really he is one of those instigator types. But how much of the world would be different right now if they didn't piss Dame? Because Dame's been different ever since that time he missed those two free throws. They laughed at him. They did his little, you know, they mocked his little uh, his Dame time his thing. Dame time thing. He got so pissed off about that, and it really has. It's so funny how one goofy moment has maybe changed the outcome of the entire NBA uh, the, uh, the NBA Finals. When you look, again, I like Portland, even though it's easy to say that now. I was still saying that before the series started. I'm like, I'm telling you, Portland is a, one of the few eight seeds I would not want to play. Yeah, well, Portland's not a real eight seed. Uh, Nurkic was out for yes. really the entire year before the bubble. Uh, Zach Collins, who's out right now, actually, he was out for most of the year before the bubble. Uh, Melo was, you know, he didn't get signed until midseason. They were working him into the rotation. Portland is not, I mean, in a normal year, they're probably a four or five seed in the West. They are not your typical eight seed. And the Lakers are not your typical one seed. And let's give Melo credit. He's in shape. Oh, no, not only is he in shape, but he's accepted his role. That's yeah. the bigger thing. Yeah. Um, have you seen the Allen Iverson documentary on Showtime? I have not. It's, it's very interesting to watch at the end of his career how – he could not do that, and that's one of the reasons he jumped from the Pistons to the Grizzlies to, I mean, to China. I mean, he would go everywhere, and he just wasn't the man anymore, and he couldn't accept it. And, yeah, give Melo finally, I guess having one year where he finally didn't get signed, he had to go, oh, crap, maybe I am not the Carmelo I used to be. Maybe I can't just live off of my talent. And it looks like he got his ass in the gym. He lost about 20 pounds. Like you said, he's accepted the fact it's Dame and McCollum's team. And, yeah, that that might have been the biggest midseason acquisition in the last few years because he is a difference maker when Carmelo's Carmelo. Carmelo's probably arguably in his prime the best one-on-one isolation scorer. I mean, yeah. Ever. Him and Kevin Durant. Or- yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean he's at least Rushmore. He, he's I, up there because Melo, he at his peak, he could get a bucket in any way, it and, was, he, and yeah. he's and he still shows it in spots. Like I think Portland sometimes when they just you know when they need someone besides Dame or CJ to go get a bucket, what do they do? They throw to Carmelo in the mid post, right? And because he can still in spots go do that, and that is something like you said, LA needs the that the, they need desperately that they don't have. Caruso needs to stop playing like he's just lucky to be there. I uh, I think that kid's got a lot of talent. You know, him and Hunter Renfro have to be the only two 20-year-olds I know that are balding more than me. But it's he's got the talent to be a 14, 15, and 8 guy. And he's just out there too much. It's almost like he's still in awe of like, oh, I'm out here with LeBron. I'm out here with Davis. I want to see an aggressive – when you see aggressive Caruso, Caruso can ball. That, that, that dude can get out there and, and give you some. Well, the problem is this is he's a young guy. It's mm. his first playoff run. Right. And he is out there in the playoffs with LeBron and Anthony Davis where he's never he's never been in this situation before. Very true. He's ne- and, and same thing with Kyle Kuzma where he was kind of on and off the whole year, and now he is in the playoffs. And now the Lakers are three losses away from their season being over. And they are in a bubble, and it is a weird situation. They don't have that home crowd. And yes. Dame Lillard is knocking down 40-foot shots 
off ball screens. And it's, oh my, like, holy crap, if we don't get, if we don't start shooting the ball better, we're out of here in a week. There's a lot of things going in Portland's direction. Now, this is not necessarily a good thing, but Nurkic just lost his grandma to COVID. Um, that's one of those things that either inspires or demoralizes a player. And it looks like Nurkis is taking that. If you think of like Brett Favre when his father died and he threw he had an amazing game, there are certain times people use that as their escape from the pain and they become a whole nother level. Well, Nurkic of player. has played well the last couple of games. Yeah. And I think he's got a lot of that. I'm dedicating this for my grandma. You got Dame out to prove that he's the guy that he is. There's a lot of outside factors to a basketball game that aren't stats, and they're all in Portland's favor. They have nothing to lose, none of the pressure, a lot of inspiration, and LeBron's trying to you know chase the Jordan shadow. And like you said, I mean, imagine. Okay, let's just go. Imagine if LeBron loses as the first seed. At this point. So in the last two years, he misses the playoffs, and then he loses in the first round to the eighth seed. That's a lot of pressure on him, and he knows it. And as much as LeBron pretends he doesn't read all the social media, he's lying his ass off. That dude has more rabbit ears than anybody else I've ever seen. He feels the pressure right now. So he needs some help. And yeah. a lot of that should be Anthony Davis. No, he does need Anthony Davis's help. But let's move on. Another one sure. seed got upset yesterday that – Orlando, I, I could not believe this when I, because I, I wasn't paying attention to the game, and all of a sudden I look and it's halftime and Orlando's up by about 12. Mm-hmm. And then Orlando ends up winning by like 14, 15 points. I could not believe that the Magic beat the Bucks yesterday. That, that to me is once again the bubble. Um, not getting that, because that, Bucks of, of almost any home court, the Milwaukee Bucks have a hell of a hometown, hometown crowd. You know, they're probably one of the ones that are missing. Toronto's up there. Uh, but Tor- Toronto's playing really well. Yeah. But I'm just saying as far as, like, crowds that uh, really you can see, yeah. they give them another level. Um, I don't feel the same. I, you know, what was it? You know, uh, Vucevic. Vucevic. You know, getting 35. I don't see that happening three more times. Terrence Ross. There's just certain guys I think had a good night. And as you look at, okay, uh, the dude in Indiana, Warren. Yeah, uh, a lot of these guys now without the crowd are starting to you know, you you play ball. Yeah, you know how it is. You had that guy in practice that could just murder, and when the lights were on and the crowd was out there, just couldn't play. The bubble's been interesting for that because you you've seen a lot of guys now who should be playing better, but you can tell just don't like the bright lights. I think that's what happened was that there was no pressure on them and they got a flu. I guess I. I can't see them. I can't see Adetokounmpo losing to uh, the Magic, who just lost Isaac, by the way. And Aaron Gordon didn't play yesterday, who's maybe their best player. Yeah, and, and, and well, and uh, that that's interesting there too. I, I would love to see Aaron Gordon. By the way, rumored they want to trade to the Warriors. I would love to see an Aaron Gordon stuff. I think pick ev- and roll. everybody is. Uh, being rumored to be traded to the Warriors right well, now. And I'll tell you what, as much as we're talking about everybody else, y'all all better enjoy this year because the Warriors are going to come back. Uh, everyone's forgotten about it. Oh, yeah. Steph, Clay, uh, they they did get uh, Andrew Wiggins, who's a really good athletic wing, and he's going to be really good in Golden State. Mm-hmm. I, there's a guy in the draft from Dayton. His name's Obi Toppin. And yes. A lot of people don't know about him because he played at Dayton. But he was the best player in college basketball this year. And he's ex- and not only is he the best player in college basketball, he is the perfect big man 
for the Golden State Warriors, and he would be ready to play day one. Could not agree more with what you just said, is that he fits their roster for what they need. Uh, the Warriors, for years, have missed. They had actually had it in McGee. I think the losing JaVale McGee and not playing him enough was a big mistake by Kerr. Um, but they need that athletic rim-protecting dunking center. And, and Toppin and, and can Toppin, shoot a three, too. And he can hit off the pick and pop. So, yeah, I absolutely agree. But when you're the Warriors, though— I'm one of those guys. Give me proven. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the you know how many of these uh, you have your Shacks, you have your Lebrons, but there's a lot of top picks that don't pan out. If I'm the Warriors, I'm trading for somebody I know can play. We oh know yeah, Aaron if, Gordon if, can play. If, if I can get a proven commodity for the number one pick and somebody else on the roster, I'm taking it. Right. Yeah. So I I'm with you there. I um. I'm but just, if I had to pick someone, I do like your pick of top. Yeah, I think that it, that would be a frightening selection. Uh, yeah, the Warriors are scary. Uh, going into next year. Everybody's kind of forgotten about them. Yes. What's crazy, it's like, oh, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, all these teams, the Suns, look how good they're going to be. They'll make the playoffs next year. Yeah. Well, no, the Warriors are coming back. I promise you Portland won't be an eight seed next year. Right. Like, where where are these open playoff spots? And that's – I just wanted to – yes, as, as a guy who really enjoyed watching the Warriors for a few years, just, just a quick reminder, enjoy them not being there while you have it because they're going to be rested. They're going to have more talent. They're going to be – pissed off, they're probably going to get into a, a few more finals before it's all said. Well, I think I think Steph specifically would be pissed off because I think Dame Lillard's getting a lot. Because people are saying, like, oh, Steph isn't as good as Dame Lillard is right now. I think people forgot just how good Steph Curry is. Everyone's forgotten how good Steph Curry was. As a guy who picked him early on and really, you know, was a guy behind him and tried to explain how dominant. People forget already when NBA 2K came out two years ago, the video game. They it was like Bo Jackson and Tecmo Bowl. They could not put him in the game fairly because it was considered cheating. Like they didn't know how to put him into the game because if you use Steph Curry the way he was playing that year when he got the unanimous yeah. MVP, it was like it's unfair to play Be- with him. Best offensive season I've seen in my lifetime. And now I'm I'm born after the Jordan years. Mm-hmm. So I so you know, so Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic disqualified. Best offensive season I've seen in my lifetime. Most complete, because uh, as great as Jordan was, and he is the GOAT, uh, the three-point shot, for one, was just not used a lot. I mean, Larry Bird only shot like four or five threes a game. Can you imagine what he would have done in 2020? You know, the way you got Michael Kidd Gilchrist jacking threes, for Christ's sake. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, it, uh, overall, that was the most impressive offensive se- uh, season of all time. And, and people have already forgotten about him. But he has reminded me of him. That deep threes, that kind of swag to him, taking the big shots, leading a, a small market team. He is very Steph-ish. Dame, Damian Lillard's, yeah. Dame, Damian Lillard's got a little Steph to him. I, I, I can't argue. He's that. about eighty percent, ninety percent of Steph Curry. He's yes. not quite what Steph is, but Dame is, and he is playing out of his mind right now too. Right. He is playing. This is the best stretch of basketball he's ever played. But Dame's right now the best player in the league. Is is that is that a debate? That uh, uh, right now, in the last so, month. So he, so here's my thing with best player in the league. Okay, me personally. I don't put, and this is why I probably underreact to like things I see during the season. I put literally zero stock in a regular season stuff. For me, it is all about the playoffs. Okay. So it is all so coming into the year, who I said was the best player in the league was Kawhi Leonard. Because, really? Because because last year in the postseason against Philadelphia, 
against um, against Milwaukee, against against the Warriors, he wasn't quite as dominant. But in those two series specifically, he I mean he completely took over that Philadelphia series. Was the reason they won. He really got minimal help from the rest of his roster. Still one of the coolest shots too of all time. Oh, the, yeah, the bounce, the, the four and, bounces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then against Milwaukee, against the league MVP, just completely shut him down in the last four games of the series. Just completely shut down Giannis. I would see, yeah, I mean, even more than Adekumpo, the most complete two-way player. I, I would give you that. Um, <sighs> he's just so... Bleh. Oh, and he doesn't have the personality, no. Uh, the and, and, person- that, and that's part of the reason I like him, is yeah. that he goes against, like, every everything else. Like, I like kind of... When everyone zigs, I like the zag. Um, where you saying like the Lakers need to go big when everyone's going small. Yeah. I like that Kawhi in the era of social media and personality and all the different platforms that he's just staring at his iPad, walking into the game on the home screen so he doesn't have to talk to people. That he's just so far the other direction. But he gets out in the court, and he just dogs people. Random thought. You ever seen Dirty Work, Norm McDonald? Uh, no, I have not. Don Rickles was uh, has a bit part, and he's roasting Norm McDonald. And he says something like, you have the personality of a dead moth. Why don't you go in the mountains and bother nobody? You're the most boring man I've ever is met. That how you like, feel about that's how I feel about Kawhi, <laughs> Kawhi Leonard. Like he has no personality. He is just and that laugh. Is he an alien? That's, oh, he, he. But I'm. He has no person. But that's what I love about him. That it is just yeah basketball. No, and you're right. I mean, and he's and he's. You can't say anything mean about him as far as like off the court, any issues like that. But I remember that 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 laugh. It sounded like an alien trying to imitate human beings. It does, uh, 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 uh. It sounded like a like a baby seal or something. Like he's so lack of personality. I guess for me, I like a little swag to my guys. I, so that's but that's just complete bias. That, that has nothing. There's nothing statistical yeah. about that analysis, right? And there. see, my analysis isn't, isn't necessarily statistical. I just look at it and say, if I need, it's okay. Five minutes left in the game, I need someone to take over the scoring load. Yeah, I'm picking Kawhi because here, here's why. Super, uh, very good three-point shooter, mm-hmm. the best mid-range shooter in basketball right now, and can get to the rack. Scores at all three levels. Yeah. Then defensively, he's the best on-ball defender in the league. True. So if I need, if I'm playing against Dame Lillard and he's going off, who's who's the guy? Not that anyone can necessarily stop Dame. If he's hitting shots, he's going to hit shots. Right. But who is the best on-ball defender in the league? It's Kawhi. Yeah. I'm still, if I could start anybody, I'm still starting with Steph. I, I just think his overall impact but on Steph's the team. But Steph's not in the playoffs right now. Yeah, but you're, but he's, you know, he's not, and he uh, got and see, injured and, see, and everything. And see, that's me. I only care about the playoffs. Okay. Like, I don't care at all about the regular season. And as much as I love Steph, and I do love Steph, his finals performances have still left me wanting. Um, he has not had that moment that I thought he should have had with this many finals appearances. He has not had that, you know, um, the one year he did average, uh, I think, you know, 28, 29, something like that. But he has not had that Michael Jordan 41 points in the finals, you know what I mean, some holy crap moment. And I know he's capable of it, and I hope to see it before he retires. Yeah, so, man, I think we're going to take a short break here. We talked a lot of NBA today. I love it. I'm a basketball junkie. Happy to know that Brent is, too. We're going to take a short break, get a quick message from Ride On here on the show, and then we'll be right back with more right here on the Ride On Sports Podcast. I'd like to take this minute to talk about RideOnCorpus.com. RideOnCorpus is a lifestyle media company that creates fun in our city by promoting experiences that you guys will love. They are the people to turn to for advice on everything Coastal Bend. What fun shall you do today? Find out at rideoncorpus.com. 
All right, we're back here on the Ride On Sports Podcast with our special guest host, Brent Bilski. Now, Brent, we talked a lot of NBA today. Appreciate I think that. What I, yeah, I love it. What I want to know and what the listeners want to know is who is your title pick? We've talked a lot of NBA today. <sighs> who is winning the NBA championship? It's so hard for me not to use my heart sometimes because I can't stand the Clippers. Doc Rivers. But Kawhi is such a fun guy. He's he, he <laughs> one of the only guys I don't mind on that team. Beverly is a spaz. I understand hating Patrick Beverly. I, I get that. Paul George has got a little B in him. You know, he gets on social media and talks his little trash or whatever. Doc Rivers and all of his teams he coaches, all they do is complain about Every single call. They could clothesline a guy, break both his legs, and will and will say it's legal. They complain about everything. But as far as the deepest and most talented roster with a guy who just won a title, I'm gonna have them I I'll have them coming out of the West. God, it is such a tough year with the bubble, and I'm not trying to stall here. It's just even though they lost, you know what? Right now, F it, Bucks. I say Bucks. You're, you're, man, so my finals pick. Listen to the podcast, but my finals pick is uh, Bucks and uh, Clippers. I have the Clippers winning. Really? I well, Great I mind think, things like. Yeah, I think man, the answer to Giannis is Kawhi Leonard. Because, very true. Because very few people have one like just the, the physical size. Yeah. To match up with Giannis, so one you got to be big enough. Two, you got to be quick enough. Um, Kawhi is both of them. And three, you got to be able to like not just get moved. Like you got to be able just to keep Giannis from the front of the rim. Right. And Kawhi, you watched last year in the po- in the the last four games at Eastern Conference Finals because the first two games where the Bucks won, Kawhi did not guard Giannis because Nick Nurse wanted because Kawhi to carry the offensive load. It's like okay, we don't want to waste you defensively. Mm. Kawhi just said, "Screw it, we're not winning if I don't guard him. I'll check Giannis. We'll worry about the rest later." And he and took he did his Giannis thing. to school. Yeah. And, um, I, and I think if they get to the finals, and now the Clippers, they have a lot of bodies to throw at Giannis because they got Kawhi. Paul George is a great defender. Marcus Morris is a big physical guy that's going to be able to give Giannis problems. And the Clippers just have more good players. The Bucks, what Orlando is showing is that outside of Giannis, the but and man, Chris Middleton did not show up. I was going to say either. Middleton's the one. It's so weird. The guy's an All Star for Christ's sake, and half the half the time I barely recognize he's on the floor. He can be so quiet for such long stretches of time. He's the quietest 22-point-a-game scorer in league history. Yes, only because Duncan's the quietest 30-point scorer of all time. Well, Duncan is a top-10 player of all yeah. time. That's the Tim Duncan, though, I mean, he, I, I remember I would go watch Spurs games. I'm like, yeah, Duncan did all right tonight. 44? And they're like, oh, yeah, he did the hook shot. Then he had the tip. And, but, I mean, just very, very quiet way of scoring, yeah. Yeah, but Middleton, he's got it. Middleton has to be the second guy. And the Bucks need a third guy. They don't have that third guy. Who is it going to be? Eric Bledsoe, Brooke Lopez, Dante DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo Don, so is I, not the third, but I he's like a him, guy. But he's not. I can't count on him to give me 18 consistently right. in the playoffs. But I think he's a guy who uh, you saw it in college. I'm a guy. 
I like seeing guys that have done it when the lights are on. And I've seen DiVincenzo at least okay. do it a few times when the lights are on. So in big game sevens and elimination games, I could see him being someone that helps get them over the hump. Okay, in, I'll in, give you that. But not, yeah, consistently well, I mean, in 18. I, I do have the Bucks in the finals, so I don't not believe in them. Yes. I do have them in the finals. I, I am. I think the Heat could actually give the Bucks some real problems. Listen to the podcast. I break the, Listen to the playoff preview podcast on your feed. I break this down a lot more. I think the Heat could give the Bucks problem in the second round. Jimmy Butler's the dog, and, and in the bubble, you need Bam, dogs. Bam Adebayo and the, and the Heat, nobody knows this. The Heat shoot the ball really well. Tyler Harrow, Gordon Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about Robinson. Uh, Three-point count. Did he win it last year or close? I know he's in it. I mean, the Duke. The Duke and, yeah, uh, I think he leads the NBA in three-point percentage. I mean, That's what it was, you don't, yeah. I mean, you don't, need, you, don't need to, you don't even need to look at the stats. Just watch him play. He is a knockdown. He's like a J.J. Redick-level shooter. Like, just... Just knockdown shooter. Funny you bring that up. I've always thought J.J. Redick is the most overrated shooter of all time. But think about the teams he's played on, especially like the last like eight years. Uh -huh. Where it's like, okay, the Clippers. When he was there with Blake and DeAndre and Chris Paul, he was the only shooter they had. Then he goes yeah. to the Philadelphia 76ers. He's the only shooter they had. Right. Think about if he played on a team like Miami right now where they spread the floor with shooters and he just got some easy open looks. Right now, he's like on every team he's played on, he's running on, around the floor constantly taking these tough off-ball screen, like moving jumpers. What if he just got some spot-up shots? I still think, even though I, I do understand what you're saying, I still think he's a level below a Curry and Clay Thompson. Oh, uh, no, but, uh, but I think a lot of guys are a level below that. I'm talking about like a, as a spot-up, like as a complimentary shooter yeah. type player. But That's, people want to put J.J. as like as one of the great, great shooters. He's a very, very good and above-average shooter, but I've never considered him so, a great shooter. So this is a different conversation, but quickly before we go into the ridiculousness that is unwritten rules in baseball... <laughs> I want to uh, – it, it is a difference between if you're Curry or Clay or even Damian Lillard where you're creating the shots you're taking mm -hmm. versus if you're getting the shots created for you that you're taking. Yeah. And I think J.J., he's just been in some situations where he's been the only shooter, so the off-ball defense on him has been pretty absurd. Versus well, if he played on a team with a bunch of shooters, I think his percentage would be higher. J.J.'s a great shooter, but he's not Clay or Steph right. or Dame because he's not cre he's not going off the dribble creating his own shots. Well, Clay Thompson, though, still, what was the 37-point uh, second quarter, quarter oh, on nine dribbles? Clay's ridiculous. That was that was one of the greatest things. God, I miss that team. That team was so fun to watch. Clay is ridiculous. But now we're going to move on here. Jason and I always talk some more baseball, but Brett and I, we had, to get, we had to get our NBA nerd on a bit. Yes, and I appreciate that. We had to get our NBA nerd on a bit. I love it. But now we're going to go into the ridiculousness that is unwritten rules in baseball. So let me give you the context here. It's a Monday night. The mm -hmm. Rangers are playing the Padres. The mm -hmm. Padres are up 7-3. to three. Was it? No. Was it 10-3? to three? It was 10-3. to three. They're up ten to three. Yes, ten to the, three. They're up ten to three on the Rangers, and Fernando Tatis, who's probably the best young player in baseball right now, is mm -hmm. coming up to the plate, and the pitcher throws him three straight balls, so it's a three zero count. Right, and then just lobs a meatball over the plate on three zero. And what do you think Tatis did, Brent? Took the damn thing yard like he's supposed to. Exactly, and then the Rangers manager. Well, first off, the Rangers pitcher afterwards threw behind Manny Machado, the next hitter, because. Tatis broke an unwritten rule in baseball by swinging at a 3-0 pitch with the bases loaded. Um, what is the – and then the Rangers manager said, oh, we're breaking the unwritten rules here. We're pushing these rules. Um, what is the purpose of these unwritten rules? Seriously, it's professional sports. That's very much where I'm at. It, it's – you're playing 
a professional game. This isn't YMCA Church League where we have a run limit. If you don't like getting home runs hit off you, pitch better. It's the same with the end zone dancing. You know, like, oh, they dance in the end oh, zone. Oh, I'm so happy you said that. Keep them out of the end zone. <laughs> a simple solution. If you don't like Tatis taking the yard, don't feed a, do- a hungry dog meat. And uh, it's an interesting stat. Uh, I found this, actually, since you told me we we're going to talk about this. June 14, 2019, the San Diego Padres are down to the Rockies 11-4 to after the seventh inning, down seven. They came back to tie it in the ninth and eventually won the game down seven after the seventh inning because a rookie by the name of Fernando Tatis Jr. started a rally with a two-run single. So if anybody knows that seven runs can happen, yeah. you can come back from that, he knows it because he's done it himself. Yeah, and He's a- led a comeback of seven runs. The idea that seven runs is, like, insurmountable. Is it usual? No. But you can come back from seven. You don't just not play baseball anymore well, because you're up seven. And then also, if you're, if you're the Rangers, so, okay, Tatis is not allowed to hit. Are you supposed to just give up now that you're down seven? Are you just supposed to take a bunch of strikeouts in a row? Right. Are they even allowed to hold a bat, or do they right. just have to, like, swing, you know, uh, like like uh, you know, uh, Mr. Baseball, turn the baseball bat around and swing the handle? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, are they allowed to swing? It, it's such a stupid – and my favorite thing, too, small disrespect – Equals, I get to now take a, basically a rock and throw it at you. 90, Ninety-five miles an hour. That's that's the equivalent. That's my that's response. Assault. Yeah, that's assault. Thank you. I've <laughs> never understood in sports sometimes. Like a dude will straight up deck a dude, knock him unconscious, and they're talking about suspension. Uh, okay, uh, the dude that got his head, uh, Miles Garrett, beat yeah. his ass with the helmet. I'm sorry, Ken. Like, if me and you just disagreed about the playoffs, you go, you know what, Gabe, you son of a bitch, and I took this microphone and smacked you in the head, I'm going to jail. You can't just smack people with helmets. You can't just throw things 95 miles an hour at somebody because they upset you. It's the one sport. I don't understand it. I don't get baseball. It's not my sport, and that's one of the main reasons is these unwritten rules. It's childlike. The response is I don't get any of. Do them. you remember in a twenty? So you you probably remember this in the twenty fifteen playoffs when Jose Bautista hit that bomb against the Rangers. The bat flip. Yeah, the bat flip. Yeah. The next year, the first time Blue Jays and Rangers play, Rufnet Odor, he clocks Bautista in the mouth. Right. You know what Rufnet Odor does after every time he gets a base hit? He flips his damn bat. Right. Which. And that's yeah, the the hypocrisy, it's, it's yeah. So, it's so freaking – and I, I'm all for bat flips. I'm all for staring down home runs. I'm all for end zone celebrations because I'm with you. If you don't – if you're mad that I flip my bat, don't let me hit a home run. If you're mad that I'm doing a touchdown dance, don't let me get in the end zone. My it is professional sport. This is not – I get it. So if when I eventually have kids and they're playing Little League baseball or if they're yeah. playing peewee football or whatever – I'm not going to want them flipping their bat. I'm not going to want them to do end zone dances because it's not about because it's about just learning the sport and at that age development of young people. And if my kid says, "Oh, you know, Odell Beckham danced in the end zone, why can't I?" I'll tell him when you're making 20 million dollars to play football, you can go dance in the end zone. Right. And I think and same thing in baseball. It you're getting paid millions of dollars to play baseball. I don't care if you get your feelings hurt cuz someone cuz you made a bad pitch and Fernando Tatis took you yard. 
Well, especially this unwritten rule, the idea that he can't continue. Because, like I said, he knows of anybody that you can come back from seven right. runs. And as crazy as it is, for 162-game seasons, how many times does it come down to one or two games that separates the playoff team from the one especially that doesn't make it? Especially a 60-game season like yeah. this year. You know, I mean, every game matters, and you can lose a seven-run lead. Um, but some of these other ones, I don't even understand them. And again, the idea that I don't get to peg you as hard as I can with basically a rock is lunacy. It's assault. I, baseball, they are some of the biggest, strongest dudes. It's funny. The bigger and stronger the guy of the sport, sometimes they're the biggest babies. Like the NFL, you know, yeah, end zone dancing, you know, you get to fight somebody. It's like, again, stop me. for uh, King Griffey Jr. to this day is still my favorite. Maybe him. It's who if you had to pick him or Barry, as far as like when they knew they hit one, and they would just stare at that thing. Oh, Barry Bonds is the best baseball player ever. Like uh, I don't care that he took everybody in that era took steroids. That's and that's a whole other thing we could get into. <laughs> um, absolutely. When you think of how many people were doing it as well, it's all hand. The idea that if you gave well, Hulk Hogan a baseball bat, that he hit seventy three home runs well, you know is what, lunacy. You know what's funny with Barry Bonds? Qu- quickly turning left here. So Bonds, he was like the last of that group to really take steroids. What had mm-hmm. happened, because Bonds came into the league, and he was like the best player basically the second he walked on a baseball field. Um, best, Pretty much the best player in the league immediately. And then he saw all these guys, McGuire, Sosa, while good players that were less talented than him, right. putting up monster numbers, and he was clean for a number of years. And everybody was taking it, and he's seeing guys put up better numbers than he is, despite him being a more talented player. He's like, all right, screw it. I'm going to take steroids. And, and then he became, you know, the greatest hitter Earth has ever seen. 73 home runs. I mean, they And got, all the pitchers in that era were taking steroids, too. So that's, right. like, it's not like it was an unfair advantage for the hitters. It's like, like any man at Lance Armstrong. Everyone will tell you every damn biker was doping. All of them were doping. Our doper beat your doper. That's all that happened. Barry was the steroid guy that beat your steroid guy. It was just at the time, it was still a fair, competitive... I, I, I agree with you, because most of the league was doing it. But I, but I'm just saying, as far as the moment of both Barry and Ken Griffey, when they would hit that one shot that they knew was going to go 500 feet, and they would sit there for five seconds and break the unwritten rule, you can't stare at your home run. I don't know who I liked better, because both of them would just stare at that thing for a good... I mean, a good five seconds. Just stare at, stand at the Man. plate and just like... Man, I hit the crap out of that one. So Barry was a better player, but Griffey was so smooth. Yes, like it, like it with Griffey, it didn't feel like he was showboating. It was like it was just so smooth. Yeah, Barry when he did it, it was like uh, like you hated him and you hated yourself for allowing him to do that. And that's one of the reasons Barry doesn't get a lot of his respect. Oh is yeah, that people don't like they him. just don't like him. And but he, oh man, he was so good. You know, he had a season where his on base percentage was like six, was like six twenty. Yeah, he had more walks. Than eighty percent of the entire like teams combined, like if you took the teams, the entire rosters combined walks. I think eighty percent of the league had less walks than just him I mean, that year. They were intentionally walking him with the bases loaded. That's right. I forgot it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's how dangerous it was to throw Barry a sh- one strike. It was like, don't, don't do it. He's gonna take a yard. 
And that type of hand-eye coordination has nothing to do with steroids. And it, you know what's crazy? So, like, Christian Yelich the last couple of years has been one of the best hitters, maybe the best hitter in baseball. You know who he credits his – because he was always, like, a good player. Mm-hmm. He credits his success to Barry Bonds. So his last year with the Marlins before he went to the Brewers, Barry Bonds was his hitting coach. Ah. And he said, Barry made a couple adjustments in my swing and the way I see pitches, and he credits Bonds to changing basically his approach and his success as a hitter. So it shows you like how high level he is, just as like a baseball mind. When you think about that year, like we're talking about with the walks, you know, baseball, he probably saw in a, in a regular game, I would say about two to three actual strikes, and most of the time he take at least one of those yard. I mean, it, it was just, it was insane what he did that season. The fact he's not in the Hall of Fame is criminal. Um, Him, Roger Clemens, McGuire, so so all of them should be, in my opinion, should be. No, I just don't. I don't care. Now I'm also an Astros fan. Who doesn't really care that the Astros cheated? See, that's this is out of my pay grade because I'm yeah. not a baseball guy. So they did it. I mean, no, no, they did. But the idea, so the MLB, it's pretty obvious. Like the Astros are escaped. Like this is a league wide problem. And that was going to be one of my questions we talked about. We might discuss this was like how much of this goes on with a lot. Is just like the steroid argument we were just saying. How many other teams are doing this exact same thing? And we just aren't talking about them because they're so, mediocre. So it's important to break this down. So here, so here's what here's why the Astros got punished. The Astros got punished because a former pitcher there's Mike Fires, came out and basically detailed everything that happened. Right. So that's why it's like this. A lot of teams do this. Why the Astros are getting punished, not everybody else. That is why, because a former player came out and detailed the whole thing. Well, from what I understand, though, though they used they used their actual replay camera. Yes. Like, it wasn't like a guy that, you know, if, if you get on second and you can read someone's signal, that's that, on you. That is not illegal, yeah. Yeah. But if you use the on-camera booth to zoom in and you're doing like, oh, bah, 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 you know, making sounds. As the, now, the dumbest thing is using the trash can. That yes. was stupid. Um, but so, I mean, and the Astros weren't even the only team in the league doing that, according to uh, different reports I've seen. Okay, see, that part, I I'd, I'd, I'd defer so, to you. So, this, so, what it ha- so, fires detailed what had happened. Now, why Altuve and the players weren't suspended mm-hmm. was because the Player Association gave the players immunity, or not the, play, the Player Association negotiated with the MLB, and the MLB said, hey, Astros players, we'll give you immunity. Just tell us what happened. Just be cooperative with us, and we won't suspend you. Mm-hmm. So that's why the, everyone's like, oh, why isn't Altuve or Bregman Correa? Why aren't these guys suspended? Because they got immunity. So that's why I hate when the players complain about it, because it's, like, it's your player association that gave them the immunity. Mm-hmm. It's not some grand conspiracy here that the MLB is trying to protect the Astros. This is just what happened. Kind of like the NFL bitching about the contract. It's like, well, you know, it was your it was your players yeah. union that signed that stupid yeah. CBA. So no, no so it, so it's exactly that. And then as far as like other teams, so right now there is a letter from 2017, the same year the Astros did it, mm-hmm. where the MLB told the Yankees basically stop cheating, stop doing what you're doing. Uh-huh. There's a court case right now. The MLB and the Yankees are working to not let that letter be opened. Uh-huh. It's in court right now, and there's a. What's it called? Um, parole, not parole. Where you go to the neck, where you appeal. There's an appeals court hearing where someone's trying to get that letter opened, and the MLB and the Yankees are trying to keep it shut. I love that sports, we take things to court. Like yeah. It's, like, that's how important we yeah. make sports. Tom Brady wanted to go to the Supreme Court, court over his softballs. Yeah, and then, he um, wanted to go to the Supreme Court. Well, and the, and the NFL let it get to that point, yeah. too. Like it, yeah, it's not... 
I love sports. It's not that big a deal. Uh, the Supreme Court has more important things. To you worry know what about. I mean? There's civil rights yeah. cases and things going on. We might have to worry more about than Tom's balls. But ba- the only thing I want to say real quick, though, on the Astros thing that I, uh, that people that might yeah. be on the other side of this that yeah, are probably go screaming, it. go for it. The home numbers versus the road numbers are so, pretty different. What's crazy is in the 2017 season, the Astros hit better on the road. So the year. Because the in the MLB investigation that they put, I thought the year they were caught that they showed the stats in the year they won the World Series they said they did it that year and it was like so twenty seven hitting like five hundred at home and one thirty on the road like I mean major guys Correa and some of the no big so Altuve actually that year in twenty seventeen where he won the MVP hit over four hundred on the road okay hit under three hundred at home. Hmm. I am not. I will. I will. Pull I do it up. not have my computer on me. I, 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 I will, will pull. It, I will pull it up right now. So here I have it. 2017 regular season. Houston Astros on the road. Team batting average 284. At home, team batting average 279. This is the year they won the World this Series. This is 2017. The year they won the World Series. I can you get some of the individual? The, I saw articles on this. I remember reading articles saying the, was, now the playoff numbers at home yes. were better for the Astros. Yes, in playoffs. 2017. And you said yourself, only it matters yeah. the playoffs. Baseball and basketball are different, but yeah, but no, you're right. <laughs> um, what's also crazy is the Yankees, who this letter's out now on them cheating, and there's some. I'm not gonna. It's not super credible, but there is some people saying that you know what they were doing in the. They were ba- they had a camera like they had a camera feed to the dugout of okay. like the ca- similar to what you were saying the Astros were doing mm-hmm. that the Yankees were doing something similar. Now again, it's not official. I'm not sure how credible that source is, but there is there is something there is something to it. Now the Yankees at home in the 2017 postseason when they played the Astros in the ALCS, they scored 17 runs in three games. Mm-hmm. In four games in Houston, they scored three runs. And the you know what though for some reason it's like the bad boy Pistons they fouled so much you almost like why am I not feeling the same level it's like well, of course it did they're the damn Yankees yeah you know what I mean I think what I think what was heartbreaking about the Astros was it was that, such a feel good story yes they were so with lovable Harvey and it, and especially the twenty like twenty eight once they got Osuna they got less likable yeah um. But it would—they were so lovable because of the Harvey story, and it's like, oh, they—they were best the worst players, team. Danny DeVito sized. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I mean, but they were the worst team for years and years and years. The Disastros. Yeah, the Disastros, and they built it up through the system. They drafted all these guys, made smart, you know, free acquisitions like Brian McCann and Josh Reddick, and made timely trades, getting Justin Verlander, and did all these things, and they got the World Series. So it is—it is heartbreaking to like. Like as like to uh, have any sort of tainted part yeah. of that because they were such a likable group, and even just the, the camaraderie between the team, they were so different than a lot of the other teams you saw out there. It was very reminiscent of like like when the Cubs won their first World Series. That the is game. my favorite non Astros title. Yeah, yeah, it was that same feel good of like wow that team finally did it. Plus, it's a bunch of really young, cool, likable guys. They all seem to really like Which, each other. The Cubs might win it again this year. They are playing really well to start the season. Yeah, they are playing really well. Hey, we need to bring back. We need to let Will Ferrell do it one game as Harry Carey. <laughs> just one. Just, just, just give us that before it's too late. I mean, I just, just to have him just do at least one game. Butcher every Latin name like Harry, poor Harry Carey. Harry Carey you could not. You couldn't do that now. Though. Harry Carey can't. Could not have done. He could not survive in twenty twenty as an announcer. He butchers every Latin name, and half the league now is Latin players. 
oh, like you look at the Astros lineup, you have Jose Altuve, right. Carlos Correa, Yuli Gurriel, Jordan Alvarez. Yuli Curiel? <laughs> like, he just butchers Latin names. It would be just torture to listen to him try to do a lineup in 2020. Yeah, I, so I'm... So if the I don't think the the Astros have had a lot of uh, they've had a lot of pitching injuries and a lot of like you know people opting out and Garrett Cole leaving I think they're too young in a pitching staff to really compete yeah. for a title this year. It, assuming the Astros aren't title contender worthy, my, the three teams I would want to win the World Series are either the Cubs, the Oakland Athletics. I want Billy Bean to get a title. I mean, what he does with the A's year after year, making them competitive, is amazing. It's very weird that we never meet and we agree on so many things because as never little, spoken before yesterday. <laughs> as little as I know baseball, he is probably one of the things I respect the most. Yes, I know Moneyball. They had Barry Zito. They had some pitchers and the other players they didn't bring up. But it doesn't matter because the truth of the matter is every year they are in the bottom five in payroll. And in baseball, that's the difference between $220 million and $90 million. And he is still finding ways to compete. You not cannot compete. tell me. They have like the second or third best record in baseball right, right. now. Right. I mean, you cannot tell me there's not something to what he did at a time and a sport that does not appreciate change, does not appreciate new aged ideas, that Moneyball was not an important game-changing factor in baseball. And I'm so with you. Billy Bean deserves a title. Give him a roster just one year. Just one year, just drop the would, money, oh give him a man. roster. If he could if he had like the Yankees budget or even like the yeah. Astros budget. Like the Astros are not the Yankees and Dodgers when it comes to spending, but they spend money. They're up there though. They're they, getting there. Like but they spent like they will spend like, hey, we got Justin Verlander, we'll pay thirty million yeah. a year to keep him around. Yeah. Like they're not gonna go spend, you know, twenty million to get AJ Pollock, but yeah. they'll spend money smartly. Um I wish even just being if Billy Bean had that level yeah. of spending power. I mean, he would have multiple titles. When other teams are spending 220, he's only getting to spend 90, and he's still finding a way to compete. In a lot of years, less than 90. A lot of years, like 40 or 50. Yeah. I mean, just think about the fact that he's able to do that at all. It's so unbelievable. And just the fact that he had the huevos to try something like that and stick with it. It's uh, the money ball actually is. It's pretty true. The guy's name was changed. The Paul uh, Potesta yeah. is his real name. He was Peter Brandt in the movie. Yeah, um, but for the most part, most of those stories are as far as true Hollywood stories, which I found out are uh, what's it called? Oh, giant loads of crap. Yeah, most <laughs> things that are based on true stories are not true at all. The Blind Side is the uh, maybe the best example of it. Uh, actually, the one that breaks my heart the most, Rudy. Oh. <laughs> Rudy breaks my heart. Um, the scene where they all bring in the jersey didn't happen. The tutor that you know couldn't get chicks never existed. The black janitor who helped them out never existed. Um, it was the coach's idea to put him in the game. They probably let him get away with being offsides on his one sack because it was the end of the game and no one cared. I mean, there are just just a little litany of things. Uh, one of my favorite movies, and you find out everything. It's like the whole damn movie's a lie, other than a guy named Rudy that was small played one game, uh, one play at Notre Dame, and the rest of it's crap. But Moneyball actually does stay true to Mo- the story. Money, yeah, Moneyball. Is, uh, aside from the fact they had a, they had Mulder, Zito, and yes. I can't remember the other pitcher's name. Uh, they had like some that were. I think one of them was still even like a, he was a minor. He was in the organization. I think they had like, but what it, they lost their three best players in the offseason, replaced it with you know 
junk. Yeah. You know, and won more games the following year, and they continued to win big going and, forward. And the Haddenberg home run to the one ha- yeah. that that happened. Yeah. They, they they actually show the highlight of it, the real highlight yeah. in the movie. The only thing that I, that I heard was bullcrap though. They did not pay a dollar for soda. Billy Bean actually no. did not make them pay for soda. Yeah, that that seemed a little far fetched. Yeah, to, that was that, the one that part seemed, that seemed a little far fetched. I think it was just it was the idea was to just to show how much how, he, yeah to show how cheap the organization is and but and the A's are like the fact that the A's still play in that disaster of a stadium the Coliseum. Oh, I heard when it rains it smells like a sewer. I heard it just smells like a sewer even when it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it's just supposed so to be I, a so crapple. I, I have a friend who uh, he's been to like 25 or 28 of the major league ballparks. Like he's been to almost all of them. That's a dream of mine to kind of get to visit every stadium in the NBA. Yeah. Something very similar. To that. So that's yeah. Cool. So he's been to he's been to most of the ballparks, and he says it's worse than like he says like the facilities there are worse than where you played high school football. Yeah. That's what he said about. Oh, we have cathedrals. This is Texas. I cannot believe we canceled football in Texas. Uh, that we did not cancel football. But we, yeah, we didn't cancel high school though, did we? We did not cancel high hey, school. College football still happening. UT and A and M are playing this fall. Are they? Yeah, Big Twelve and SEC say they're playing. So is the ACC. We just got our foosball here in Texas. That's the one thing I can't. You know, people deride horses and stuff. I'm like, blow it out your, you know what? But the thing about us and foo- we love some foosball, man. We love our football. So, man, speaking speaking of our football here, so game one of the season is going to be Chiefs and Texans. Arrowhead's going to have 22 percent capacity, is what the Chiefs are saying for that for that opening matchup of the NFL season. <sighs> it's such a hard. Th- this is going to be so hard to do. Now we're not doctors. Let's get that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I've played doctor with a few friends in college, but that was a whole nother thing. Um, it's that's a lot of people on those sidelines that are going to be real close to each other. That's a lot of physical contact. We're gonna. I know they're gonna try it. Well, here's so like it's work. So here's the thing, and this is the thing with the NBA bubble. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have it, you can't give it to somebody else. Right. So I'm not that concerned about the players and the team personnel. Because they're staying, like, even in training camp right now, like, there's been, like, a handful of positive te- Like, they did the initial test when people came in. There were some positives there, and they had those guys quarantined, which was to be expected. Mm-hmm. But, like, since training camp started and they've had guys in the building and they've gone about their routine, there's been only a handful of positive tests between players and team personnel. I hope we do. I, I, and I would love to see some fans in the stands again. I, you know, I, I, I sit back and think it's probably going to be at least another year before we get back to what we consider a normal world. So anything close to that would be such a welcome thing to see. It's just a lot of people, man. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of closeness. Um, I, I, give it a shot. I well, want to I mean, see I it. Mean, 22%, you got people spread out like two, three seats apart. Yeah, but they're football fans. The football fans are legally insane. I am a football fan, so you just call me legally insane. The, you guys, I mean, I, I, I like football. Now, you're talking to a man who also has three TVs in the living room and watches sports on all of them, so yeah. maybe I am insane. And Cowboys are, I mean, y'all. I am not, I am not a Cowboys. I am the, the only Cowboys neutral person you know. I don't love or hate them, but I do recognize that they are some of the most insane fan bases. They're up there with the LeBron fans, Cowboys fans. There are certain ones where it's like it is religion. You know what's the problem with LeBron going to the Lakers? You combine the two of the most annoying fan mm-hmm. bases in sports, Laker fans and LeBron fans. LeBron that was the that was the problem. LeBron's biggest problem has always been his fans as far as like getting more appreciation throughout yeah. the league because they are so god Imagine if LeBron darn annoying. When it played football and started playing for the Cowboys. 
And he could. He, they hey, they said LeBron was a top recruit. And yeah, uh, you know what's crazy? They said like he was amazing in high school football. Literally, all they had him do was like run out routes to the sideline yeah. so he wouldn't get hit, and he was still like ridiculous. Yeah, I mean the kid was already six seven, two hundred pounds. You know, forty something inch vertical with great hand eye coordination. I mean, yeah, the football coach not rocket science. Hey, jump high and catch that. Okay, yeah. I scored. Oh, cool. So here, so we, you mentioned in the NBA where you thought the Bucks were pretty affected by not having a home. Not ha- by being in the bubble, not having home court. Right. So there's going to be no or limited fans in the stadium. You're not really going to have, even yeah. if you have like 20% fans, that's not really, I mean, like the Sean Watson game one with, you know, 15, 10, 15,000 people at Arrowhead is not, you know, that's not going to affect him much as far as like calling plays at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, that home field advantage is not really going to be there outside of the travel. Who does this most affect in the NFL, do you think? It. I'm going to kind of throw a curveball here. It's going to affect more the idea in football that you have to play through pain. And I do think having the adrenaline of a crowd helps you a lot as like a, as a pain reliever. That's a good angle. And not having that extra energy to kind of make you, you know, get that extra hype going, that's where I could see it being more affected is that guys are not going to be able to block out what, uh, they usually can because there's usually 60,000 fans going ape crap and you can barely hear yourself think. I mean, you know, imagine being on a ground like that and it, the ground's rumbling before a play, you know, because the football fans are just going nuts. That's not going to be there. And so that that I could see it affecting more the, the ability to play and the ability to sustain – entire season that's so i can't really pick anybody although there are some for me it's seattle yeah i was about to say seahawks for me it's seattle because and i love like russell wilson to outside of Mahomes is the best player in the league to me right now i love i adore russell wilson um but that home crowd in seattle Mm -hmm. is that seahawks roster outside of russell wilson and bobby wagner is not very good no that home crowd though gives them an extra edge that they don't I don't. They might just be an average team without it. There are too many people who call themselves the twelfth man, but they probably have one of the best claims to it. I uh, think Kyle Field and Seattle. So, I, have you ever been to a game at Kyle Field? No, and now and as much as Manziel disappointed me, I would have loved to have been there during his era because uh, so I, I heard that place was electric when Manziel was. So there. I actually went the year after Manziel, but I've been so I've been to a couple different A and M games. Both times they were ranked in the top ten and were undefeated. Yeah, and it is. Kyle Field is something. Yeah. It, it, and A&M's a cult. Uh, absolutely. A&M is absolutely a cult. I, this is coming from someone whose mom and a uh, sister. Brother's grew. wife, same thing. Yeah, yeah. I know they're, they're out of their minds. They're a cult. Um, but, man, Kyle Field is amazing. I have heard that. I have heard that it's an unbelievable atmosphere out there. Um, so I, I can't say anything about it. Now, I see you have the Oilers. Yeah, I'm repping the Oilers. So I am um, – so if, if you're a Texans fan, that's not going to affect the, it at all because I'm sorry, Texans do not have. So what's crazy good. is like five years. So like the the first years of O'Brien and the Kubiak years, like mm-hmm. when we were, like when we were good or playoff hunt or in the playoffs, our crowd was really really good. But really? these last okay. couple of years, like basically since Deshaun got there, and I don't think it's a Deshaun thing. I just think the city Houston realizing the Texans are going to be perpetually disappointing as yeah. long as O'Brien's the coach. Um, the Again, crowd, we agree. Good to the, know. The, the the crowd is just they don't. It, it's lethargic. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. So when the Texans traded DeAndre Hopkins this offseason, I put the Texans on probation. <laughs> they, I'm no longer. I'm not rooting against them, but I'm no longer an active fan of the Houston Texans. 
because DeAndre, I, I can't, I cannot support bad organizations. And, and what they got back for it, it was yeah. Um, well, yeah. If we would have gotten the eighth overall pick, a mm-hmm. second rounder, and a starting corner, I would have been like, okay, I don't want to trade D Hop, but man, we got a package for it. Right. And then watching Stephon Diggs later that same day get traded for a first and a fourth or something like that. Yeah. When hot and I and Stephon Diggs is a really good, really, but he's really not good D-hop. player. He's not D Hop though. So it like that was so. Fr- I can't support bad organizations. I can't. So the Texans, I'm I, I I'm a fan of Houston football, um, but I cannot support the Texans as long as Bill O'Brien is still the uh, the coach and GM and dictator of the team. Um, now once they fire O'Brien, I'll have their parole hearing. Yes. See who they hire next. Um, but oh man, Bill I O'Brien has ruined uh, uh, as far as I wanted to be a Texans fan so bad because I was again I like again guys who I've seen they could do it in the bright lights. Deshaun Watson's as clutch as they get going uh, back he, to the, the to his college days. He is a prime days. time player. Yeah, that is yeah. a that dude loves the bright lights and that is a hell of a player. And he is being wasted by a horribly outdated coach. So archaic. I d- so I don't think O'Brien is the wor- like is a horrible like football coach. Now he's the worst GM in football. That's not even a debate. He's, yeah. he's he's the worst general manager. Yeah. But I think as a coach, O'Brien is about average. Because my thing, like for years, basically O'Bri- every year of O'Brien's career, it's always been like fire him, except the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, and my thing was always it wasn't that I was like the biggest Bill O'Brien fan in the world, but it was okay if we fire him, who are we bringing in that's better? Like I remember one year. The Texans fans got this lunacious, ridiculous idea to bring in Cliff Kingsbury to replace Bill O'Brien. Cliff Kingsbury, who had a losing record in the Big 12, yeah, to replace Bill O'Brien, who again, I don't think he ain't Belichick. He's not Andy Reid or Kyle Shanahan or Sean Payton, but he has a winning record in the NFL. I have my, uh, I can bring my dog, and what he could do is we can put treats next to plays, and he might have as much success as O'Brien, just like whichever treat he decides to chew. You just you just it, call it. it. I'm uh, sorry. I think O'Brien. Here's my problem. Good coaches adjust to a roster. Yeah. You don't force a square peg in a round hole. And he is not using Deshaun Watson the way you can use Deshaun Watson. It's still this run first, very slow, no up tempo well, well, football. Here's what's so disappointing because there are games where it does look the offense does look innovative. Yeah. Where they do look really good. And then there are games where they're running at 60% of the time, and I'm watching Carlos Hyde get 30 carries, and Carlos Hyde was a decent back for us last year, but he is, should not be the focal point of the offense No, when you have Deshaun. When you have DeAndre. Deshaun freaking Watson. The, and, and he's throwing to DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Now, this year he won't be, but in every other year. What year was it? Was it two years ago you actually almost beat New England in New England? Yeah. Which never happens. For um, anybody ever, yeah. And, and uh, although now would be an interesting uh, with Cam Newton and all that. We'll see what happens. But um, it was on the eight yard line or something like that, and you ran the ball three times. Didn't even let Deshaun throw the ball once. You give your game player the ball. I mean, this isn't rocket science. And he had, and he was tearing as up that game too it wasn't like he was having a bad game no. and the idea that, that he was just, that game was re- i remember what you're talking about because that was really his coming out party it was only his second career start and he was you know ripping apart the yeah. defending champions and and the chance to do something no one ever does and he didn't give him the ball even once i was done with o'brien at, no, forever at that point i was like that's just that's just that football there's some coaches it's my way there are some coaches who would rather lose coaching their way than win having to do something they don't want to do yeah I, it's it's fascinating the ego of a coach 
Oh, I'm with you there. Um, so I, I'm waiting for O'Brien to get fired, but I don't want what I don't want to happen because I don't. I'm, I'm not all the way with you, but I do, O'Brien does need to get fired. Yes, he does need to get fired. But I don't want the Texans to fire him and then hire Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I, that is what I'm worried about. That we're gonna fire him and then bring in just Freddie Kitchens or Cliff Kingsbury, who's a joke, or. Vance Joseph, who was hired by the Broncos a couple years ago, who's a horrible defensive quarter coordinator, much less head coach. Like we're gonna hire just someone who's completely inept. That is what I'm worried about. You know, who you should hire, and it would never happen in a million years. And I'm half kidding. Who's this? Do you ever heard about the guy in Kansas, the high school coach who never uh, he never punts? Oh, in Arkansas. Is it Arkansas? Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can't. I don't know his name, but I know exactly who you're talking about. He always goes for it on fourth down. Yeah. He, I mean, it could be fourth and fifty. He never willingly gives the ball away. Yes, because the statistics show that if you do, he always goes for two, never kicks an extra point. And he took a school that had never won, and they've won like five state P- titles. Pulaski Academies. Yes, of the P- thank you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I would love to see that guy at least get to a college level, and I would love to see that system implemented somewhere. Like, let's say you're in North Texas, who's not winning anyways. <laughs> Well, they, they've hired a high school coach before to be their head coach. They did it with Todd Dodge from um, South Lake Carroll. There we go. I, I would love to see that guy. That's a total random. Uh, I know you were talking uh, actual, you know, <laughs> coaching options, but so, I just uh, somebody innovate. I, I want to see Deshaun with somebody innovative so you who know looks who, at everything he can do and go. Well, I think, God, we can do a lot of stuff with I this think guy. You, need to, you can do a couple of things. You can hand a blank check to Lincoln Rally at Oklahoma. Uh, That's an idea. So I, what I wanted Texans to do this a couple years ago when the Cardinals let go of Bruce Arians, mm. I wanted the Texans mm. to fire Bill O'Brien and get Bruce Arians in the building. That's now he's with Tampa idea. Bay, and of course, and I love Bruce Arians, even though he hasn't won a title. I love Bruce Arians, and of course Tom, and I love Tom Brady. So for me, like I'm rooting for Tampa Bay this year. They're kind of my alternate team, them and the Eagles, because I love Carson Wentz. Um, really, Carson Wentz, huh? He he is a great great player. Um, man, if if he doesn't get hurt that year, the Eagles. Win. I was gonna say that first year he was he was on his way before the injury. So there's still even last year, me, you, and Russell were Carson Wentz's top three wide receivers last year, and yeah. he dragged it to the playoffs. Well, he underthrew me a few times, but that was he didn't know you, my, didn't, you didn't run the right route. He he didn't understand how fast I was. That's just you, you know four two forty. Yeah, four four two twenty yard dash yeah, over here. I smoked you on Russ. Um, but yeah, it's but um. But yeah, but of course Tom Brady gets Bruce Arians when mm-hmm. I want the Texans to hire, and I love Brady. But it's like, man, how many things can go his way? Yeah, that's and that's what I've always said is is Tom Brady, the guy. Let's face it, he he looks like a model. He's got a Victoria's Secret wife that makes more money than he does, he's which without, is absurd. I mean, which is insane. He's not even the the breadwinner in his family. To his Victoria's Secret model wife, he's the goat. I mean, yeah, sometimes you're like, you know, can you just, like, stub your toe? Can something bad happen to you? Just something? Because everything goes this guy's it, way. So when he does leave New England, he goes to Tampa Bay with one of the best quarterback coaches in league history. Yes. And he has Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brayton, Rob Gronkowski. And then Gronkowski's dumbass shows up even. Is, oh. Although the the Gronk, the conk thing was pretty, that was cute. I was, I was, man, I think Gronk, uh, so I, th- I think Gronk, it's a persona. I think Gronk's actually really bright. I think he just plays a character for the, he is a party guy. Yeah. But, like on, but on the football field, he is really, he is very football smart. There, I was about to say, there are people that can be smart on the football field, but 
You know what's crazy is Gronk has not spent. This is according to Gronk. Yes, he has not spent a dime of his. And everything he's lived off of is off the field money. Like he's got like tens, hundreds of millions in his bank account. Yeah, and like that he doesn't touch his playing money. That is for sure. They say he uses only his endorsement and saves all his contract money. So maybe he is smarter than I give him credit for. He's but a smart guy who likes to party. What's wrong with that? You know, I, I guess you can't get too mad at him. I but, mean, uh, he, he's 6'6", he's six, six, about 250, good-looking guy with all those muscles. He wants to party. He's, you know, Cause, I mean, party. It's your money and spend it how you want, but I still to this day, Floyd Mayweather, I remember watching an interview with Stephen A. Smith, and he's in his garage, and he's not even naming the cars. He's just saying how much they cost and it's like you're just floyd is napoleon complex just he didn't he didn't know the name of the car he's like that one's 1.5 that one costs 2.5 you know it's like do you do you know the the horsepower you know i mean do you know you know anything about it other than the price tag you douchebag but some people have to do that and gronk doesn't so we we were we were it's funny we were talking yesterday we were talking about ufc and boxing and i wish this version of canel alvarez could fight floyd because oh he would kick floyd's ass i'll tell you what uh, and not like the floyd now because floyd's old now yeah now i'm talking like floyd at his peak versus canelo now which i would say canelo's at his peak now i think canelo's too big floyd wouldn't fight him yeah but oh man i would love because i think canelo is an absurd boxer the last fight i saw canelo fight uh was kovalev Kovalev, yeah that was uh for a light heavyweight title he beat the light heavyweight champion that was one of the most impressive fights i've seen in a long time and i finally got the canelo um but i will say two things about floyd floyd does know how to get in your head he wins fights before they start, and he's also been very smart about he knows how to pick names at the right time. You know, he fights he, he Pacquiao, Pacquiao late. Five years after his prime. He fights Canelo. Or he knows when to pick his fights for the name yeah. to where he technically says, I beat him, but he's yeah, very even, strategic. Even Oscar De La Hoya he fought late in his career. Yes. Um, and, and there's a lot of people who think Oscar De La Hoya won that fight, yeah. and that's a point of, that's a point of debate. But yeah, Floyd went. I well, mean, he couldn't wear his pantyhose out in the yeah, rain, and so the uh, you've seen those pictures, right? <laughs> I have not. You've not seen the De La Hoya pictures? No. <laughs> but no, but like Canelo, like he fought a twenty-two-year-old Canelo. TMZ. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he fought a twenty-two-year-old Canelo. He didn't yeah. fight. A, That's what I mean. Yeah, he fought. He he he, he found. He's uh, he's been very good about that. To where he can say, "I beat him. I beat him. I beat him." And he got to them early, or he got to them late enough to where he always had the advantage. The uh, held on to his belt. That's the, in the, the end. That's his job. The undefeated record. That was really he held on to that undefeated record. And he also fought um, who was oh, and he never fought Triple G. Yes, he never like Triple G, and because he couldn't wait out Triple G because he was going to exit his prime before Triple G did. Yeah, he never fought Triple G, which I don't think that would have been interesting. Yeah, that would have been really interesting. That so actually, Triple G versus Floyd, that potential matchup, rem, that what it reminds me of the UFC middleweight title coming up mm-hmm. uh, in a month between Paulo Costa and Israel Adesanya. Okay, which I which is a fight I'm super excited for. Uh, we talked about it last week a little bit. The UFC Stipe versus DC uh, Stipe one, which I predicted. None of my that was a very close fight, like for the betting market. But everyone I talked to picked DC. I felt like I was the only one to pick Stipe, but Stipe won because DC for me looked horribly out of shape for him. I, I didn't well, think he looked. I didn't think he looked prepared for the fight. Well, he uh, so he was fighting at heavyweight, not like like he put on. Is a that lot what of it pounds. was? Okay, yeah, because yeah, I was like, God, he doesn't look. He doesn't look the same. Okay, yeah, so he so yeah, he was fighting at heavy. So when he fought light heavyweight, he was a lot thinner. Now at heavyweight, he had a lot more power. Um, 
Like he his punches had some more oomph on him. Yeah. Than when he fought at light heavyweight. Um, I didn't think he looked horribly out of shape. I just think, I mean, Stipe. I think Stipe was just a better fighter. And also, Cormier is forty one. Like he's not, you know, at his. Peak. Yeah, I, I guess he just finally looked. He looked out of his prime. Yeah, I mean, he he's not at his peak, and that's fine. Like you're not supposed to be at forty. We're not all Tom Brady and can't win Super Bowls at you know forty one yeah. years old. Uh, some some of us, the other, the other ninety nine point nine 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 percent of humanity is human. Yes. Um, so we don't eat enough red. Yeah. Tom Brady only eats red things. Apparently, it's one of his many. No, diet he, tricks. no, he doesn't eat tomatoes. I thought all he ate was red crap. No, no, he like he he won't eat tomatoes because apparently there's something in them that like causes inflammation or like. Yeah. He has something where it's like he has a certain color that he sticks to. I think it's green. Is that what it is? He eats a lot of kale and avocado. That makes sense. I heard that stuff's good for you. Yeah. I wouldn't really know. Brady. Um, but yeah, it. <laughs> oh, and uh, also UFC John Jones, he vacated his titles, moving up to light heavyweight or not, uh, not to heavyweight. Out of me, a ju- <laughs> I have something I want to say about how it might be hard to stay a heavyweight if you're on cocaine, but I will. Hey, up, he says he's clean now. I mean, and look, and people get better, you know, he, he and the addiction clean. happens. So I'm, I'm trying to be nice, but the, the, it's just an easy joke. All right, so here, last thing I want to talk about. So, um, gosh, we got we went all over the place. That's fine yeah. though. It's not like Jason and I don't do it. So right, we're we're fine here. It's a it's a great thing about podcasts. We can really just talk for as long as we kind just, of want to. Just shoot the breeze, as yep. they say. Uh, no one says that actually. So, so the one thing, so Dak Prescott, mm-hmm. he's not, he didn't get his contract extension. Will the Cowboys ever pay him? They like, shouldn't. I, so I, I'm with you there. But here's the thing: they've paid everybody else, and they say they're going to pay him. Right now, actions speak louder than words. Um, they say they're going to pay him, but they paid Demarcus Lawrence big money. They paid Zeke big money. They paid Amari ungodly money. Mm-hmm. They paid you know all their offensive linemen big money. Um, they paid Jalen Smith big money. And Dak's just sitting there on a franchise tag, like are they, so you you say they shouldn't? Do you no. think they will? No, I think they're going to franchise them next year again, and they're finally going to move on from. I, I I think they know. I I I honestly to this day, again as a Cowboys neutral, the idea that you know, they never let Tony back in that last season. F- to see what they could have done with him, because of, uh, uh, only the Cowboys could have a winning streak be a problem, and <laughs> that year you couldn't put Tony back in because they kept winning. Yeah, because they they were I mean they went thirteen and three, but the last game of the regular season they had already locked everything up, so they kind of they played all their backups. So they were thirteen and two. Yeah, like. They at one point they won like eight or nine in a row, right? And like you, they lost the first game, then just won a bunch after that. And so, you, rightfully, you couldn't take out Dak Prescott because hey, we're winning. You can't take him out during a winning streak. Yeah, it, the same thing happened with Brady in New England. Yeah, when the Bledsoe thing happened all the way back in two thousand one. But I always wondered. It's always like uh, the way, the best way I could compare it. It's like okay, Usain Bolt could probably win every race wearing hiking boots, but he might run faster in running shoes. So the idea is that, yes, they won with Prescott, but could they have still not only won but been better with Romo? Because that last game against Philly, Dak did not look very good. And Tony came in. They only got to come in for one series and scores a touchdown and four passes. Looked sharp as a tack. And it just made me think, God, you know, yes, they were winning, but could they have actually been better with Tony 
finishing out that year. What's crazy? So a couple things that rookie year for Dak. Couple things. One, if you go back and look, Cowboys had the weakest schedule in the NFL mm-hmm. that year. Outside of the Giants, the divi- like Carson Wentz was a rookie, and the Eagles weren't like what they are now. They didn't have the talent level. Uh, the Redskins have just been a mess since yeah. the nineties. Um, and then they they played a, a they played like the teams with the top four picks in a draft. The Cowboys played all of them that year. Like the Cowboys had like a historically weak schedule, and no, in- they had no injuries like the entire year. Uh, they had no injuries the whole year. That's like, true. That is very true. Because their offensive line stayed healthy. I yeah. think Dez might have been the only guy, but they re- they were a running team anyway. And Dak didn't throw the ball deep. He's like throwing to Cole Beasley and Jason Witten. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't really throw to Dez. Um, and the defense stayed healthy all year. And because they played a weak quarterback slate, looks better than they actually were. So I think a lot of people when they talk about Dak, they think of him. They have like 2016 season goggles. Yes. Um, when it's like you can, you got to – so when I with, – especially with quarterbacks, take out the best season, take out the worst season. Because I think it, yeah. most above average or average quarterbacks even – like even Andy Dalton had one like ridiculous right. year. Um, and I think and – and, and Matt Ryan won an MVP. Like Matt Ryan should yeah. have never won an MVP. Yeah. Take out their best year because it's that's probably an outlier. I actually like that. Yeah, that, that's actually very – And then take yeah. out the worst year. Because every quarter – you know, maybe – Three offensive linemen get hurt. Maybe Julio Jones gets hurt from Matt Ryan. You know, like maybe just a bunch of things happen. Maybe it's a coaching change, scheme didn't work, whatever. Take out the best, take out of the worst year. That's what they are. You take out Dak's best and worst year. And I mean, he was good statistically last year, but it was like, like you said, the last game last year against the Eagles, he was awful. Yeah. Like, how do you not be like Carson Wentz literally had me and you playing wide receiver? You know who his number one receiver was? Greg Ward Jr., who was a quarterback for University of Houston with Tom nice. Herman. I remember that, yeah. He, I, I used to love – I like that team. I remember that team. You no, know, and, and Greg Ward's a fun, like, happy for Greg Ward. He's like I liked him in college, and he's making an NFL paycheck. He's doing well for himself. Awesome. If he's the number one receiver on a team, that team should be 3-13 and 13 at best. Yeah. And the Eagles went – and this is why I like Carson Wentz, because he dragged that team to the playoffs. But Dak Prescott – Can't argue with five championships, too. So, that, yes, they're college, but still, that's impressive. The, but Dak Prescott law, like. He lost to that team, and he couldn't complete passes consistently. And he had Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, and he had you know Zeke Elliott in the backfield and a good offensive line. Yeah. Now the Cowboys lose their starting center, Travis Frederick. That's weird to think about. Frederick's retired. Yeah. He's so, done. Yeah. Tyron That's weird. Smith, Tyron Smith is getting injured more and more. He's going, yeah, and he's probably got a year or two left yeah, at most. He, and he, 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 like you said, injury prone. Yeah, and then L- lately, not all, not yeah, most of his career, no, but lately, at his peak, he's a Hall of Fame left tackle. Oh yeah, one of the greatest. Like, you could, time, yeah. you couldn't, you know, he was a wall. Yeah. Um, and now I'm supposed to believe that drafting C.D. Lamb and bringing in Mike McCarthy, who with Aaron Rodgers had an unimaginative offense, is going to make Dak a top five, top ten quarterback in the league. I don't buy it. I'm just, I still see him sail open throws, um, locks in on his first or second receiver. He's not checks, a quick processor. No, checks down way too much. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how much of that was Linehan or him, but I can't count how many times it'd be third and nine, and he would throw a three yard, you know, swing pass to the running back. I'm like, that's not going to get it done, bro. You gotta, you gotta try to go downfield. I just think, like you said, he's had a lot of things around him that have made him look better than he is. I think there's a lot of quarterbacks that don't cost you $31 million that you could take that money and spend other places. I personally, but again, I'm legally insane, I would have tried to go to Cincinnati and said, I will give you the next three first rounds and give me Joe Burrow. Oh, you're a Joe Burrow guy. Oh, big time. So I am not. 
How can you? I mean, oh, so, so here, so it's one why. year. So here's why. Here's why. So two things. One, it's the one year thing. So the the year before, when Joe Brady was not his offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. he looked like not he looked like a guy who was not a draftable quarterback. Yeah. In the NFL before Joe Brady got there, Joe Brady gets there, and then all of a sudden Joe Burrow's Peyton Manning. And I'm not saying Joe Burrow doesn't have some. I'm not saying Joe Burrow's a bum because I think there were also like he did get to LSU. He wasn't the best situation when he got there because he got just, there kind of late. In just the, think of how many quarterbacks summer. have not done well at LSU. You know what I mean? Like he's one of the first ones in a long time to have any success. Not, but, and he didn't just have some but, success. But he was he there, went bananas. But he was there the year before when Joe Brady wasn't calling the plays, and he looked like not a draftable quarterback. And well, give Joe sudden, Brady a phone call and ask him what plays he runs and run him in the in Cincinnati. Well, Joe Brady is now the coordinator in the, for the Carolina Panthers with Matt Rule. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Oh, since he's an idiot for not picking him up, then they should have done that. Yeah. I just know that's a lot of, I mean. And then, he, and then also with Joe Burrow, he had two future first-round picks at Rodgers. He did Sieber. have a lot of talent. He had a future first-round pick at running back. I love the uh, Hilaire. Uh, Edwards Hilaire. Yeah. He's with the Chiefs now, so he's yeah. going to be tearing up everybody for the next five years. That dude's got that bionic Barry Sanders knees where he can just cut on a dime. Oh, he, so I, I remember seeing a stat. So one of them, a good friend of mine, he's a big LSU fan. He mm-hmm. sent me a stat. It was like 51% of like – Edwards Hilaire makes 51% of the first guys miss. And I was yeah. like, that can't be right. Yeah. And then I watched it. That Saturday I watched him, and it was like – that fifty-one percent is too low. Yeah, like nobody can get, like nobody gets him on the first on the first time. His ability one on one, you're not tackling him. It's changed, and he's got that low center of gravity. There's another guy, and I called it when it came when he came out, and he still needs more touches. Tariq Cohen is still slept on. Um, that yeah, dude. Yeah, I think I think if the Bears had a better quarterback, they'd utilize him better. Now, that, now actually, I think Nick Fo- Nick Foles. I don't think he's great, but I think he he's a hell of a lot better than Mitch Trubisky. The Bears are my sleeper pick in the NFL this year. I think the Bears win the division. The Trubisky, uh, the, Trubisky is horrible. I I, I don't understand. He, they can't win in college, and they're going to win in the pros. I, I I just because they do well in in the underwear Olympics. I mean, the same thing with the who's the kid in Buffalo that could throw nine hundred yards. Oh, well, but Josh Allen's actually winning games in Buffalo. He's starting to win some. I mean, it was his second year last year. He yeah. went eleven and five. Oh, did he? I, I thought yeah. they won more eight and eight. All right. Well, no. okay. Jury's still out on him, but for the most part, though, the Trubisky's of the world, these guys that are like third or fourth in their conference in college, and then you expect them to win in the pros. Most guys that did well, that are doing well in the NFL, won most of their life. You know, winning something you learn. It's not something you're suddenly going to learn. I think yeah. at that point, that's my own opinion. So I, so I think it's not so much about winning for me with quarterbacks, so much as it is like you got to be able to complete passes. Because sometimes, like so, Jared, so Jared Goff, I like him more than most. But like Jared Goff at Cal had a See? garbage team around him, but he was completing pa- Like he was at least looking good in college. Now he wasn't a Pac-12, so take that with a grain of salt. But he was he was at least looking good in college, and then he get once he gets a decent coach, Sean McVay with the Rams, he starts looking really good. Now last year was a down year because and also the Super Bowl, they said go ahead and throw it, and uh, mm, that, that was not his best. Uh, that was not his best. That was not his best day. That was not. Hey, but uh, NFC Championship against the Saints though in New Orleans, he looked really good in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but the Saints got what's it called? Oh yeah, cornhold. That's what it was. So that was some no. They the- got they got screwed on. I mean. 
there's a there were I can go on there were a lot of bad calls in that game. Yeah. Now the, the most notable one went against the Saints, but there were several that went against the Rams. And you always remember the last one, but that yeah. last one was bad. So, I mean that that, man, that that did cost them that game. It did. There was man, there were a lot of calls in that. What's funny is you go back in that game and you look at like all the missed calls. The score of that game is completely different because there yeah. was the Rams kicked a field goal like in the fourth quarter. We're on the play before it's like at a two yard line. Jared Goff clearly gets face masked, mm-hmm. like going into the end zone. And it's like that face match doesn't happen. It's a touchdown. Or if they call it, it's first and goal at the one for the Rams. They probably punch it in. The score of that game is totally different. Yeah. Like so that situ- like that like it's just so many and there were like so many like that game in general. Really, NFL and NBA officiating the last two years has just been horrible. Like that is, and I, I was watching the game like the game one of all these playoff games, and I I wanted to talk about this, but we didn't get to it. And I'll just spend a little bit of time on here. The officiating in the NBA right now is just god awful. Like they, the, well, it is god awful. I think it's just like basketball to where you know you can't replace game speed, and I think they're still trying to get in game shape as far as like getting up to speed. And, and they're missing, uh, you know, uh, but, you, you like take the, four or five months off. It's hard to go back to that speed. You can't practice that speed. The, it's only the, it's technic- only the technical foul calls, though. What happened to Porzingis was criminal. The, and if you're te- a Dallas fan, you have every right to kick yeah, that and, referee and, in the testicles. And the Clippers are my title pick, so obviously I don't want them going out in the first round. Mm. But that like that was horrible. Like I just as a basketball fan, I hate seeing that. Yeah. And then like last night in the like there were a lot of calls that went the Lakers' way last night, and the Lakers still lost the game. Yeah. But there were a lot of horrible calls in that game, and I'm watching this, and the Rockets are. I'm from Houston, so I want to root for the Rockets, but I can't with the way they flop um, and the way, like the way James Harden, his entire game is built around manipulating officials. Yeah, it's um, bad, and, but he is he is unbelievable. He, no, he, he is unbelievable, but I hate that his entire offensive yeah. package is built it's, around manipulating it, the officials. I'm with you 100. percent It really is frustrating. You like you don't need to do that. You you, you could take that out of your but game, and it, still get the same points. But it's uh, but like literally, I feel like the refs officiate the game like basketball is a non-contact sport. Basketball is a contact sport. Yeah. Like come, like come on, like give me a break. I'm tired of the just again the constant bitching from the players. They want because they're so used to getting like you said every foul called. Now, I wish they would call more technicals for that. Like I, I wish they would just you know finally kind of put a, a, a kibosh on like shut up. I called the foul. Next play. I'm not going to argue and have a debate over every single call. That would be the one thing I like to see the refs step more uh, more up on is shutting up the whining because it looks very unprofessional. And I want to be like, oh, you know, kids are watching, but there is some truth to like, dude, you're acting like children. No, it, like, and it's and it's not an isolated incident where like people got on LeBron for it for years and LeBron does it, but it's like James Harden does it. They Russell all do Westbrook it. Does, every yeah. all the stars do it. Just bitch, 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 bitch. I love Steve Nash, boy. He would just bitch, bitch, bitch the whole game. It's like just. Except sometimes you did something illegal in the game and just shut up and move on. Well, like, so did you watch the Rockets game last night versus OKC? No, no, so, I did not. So uh, it was like first second quarter of the game. Harden, so Harden, like he falls down like every other time he takes a shot <laughs> to try to get the call. Yeah. So on this, this was, I think a lot of times it doesn't get fouled. This time he was fouled though, mm-hmm. and the refs didn't call it. They they just missed the call. Yeah. And Harden, like someone called timeout after the play, and Harden like stays on the ground holding his knee. And even like the announcer said, was he a soccer player? Yeah, like he was like holding, like stretching it, like acting like he tore his ACL. Yeah. Um, because he didn't get the call. And even the commentator said it. He's doing this so next time he falls down, he gets the call. Yeah. And what do you know? Next time he falls down, he's not fouled. 
but he gets the call. My favorite's when Harden just swings his arms like to, to an impossible amount. Like he holds his arms like five See, feet that's out. That's actually smart. But it's so obvious. Like, what's he going to do? Like, do like a granny shot from the free throw line? Like, that, he's so obviously so looking for contact. When, when I played, I would do like, I would like hold the ball out, want someone to hit my arm. Yeah. And then go up with the sh- And Harden's like, if, have you ever seen him in person? No, not in person. He, he is a big guy. Yeah. Yeah, like, he is. He yeah. is a big, strong guy. So he does that because he knows he can take the contact and go up with the shot anyway. Yeah. So he's baiting you, come after the ball. Because as soon as you do, you're hitting my arm and I'm going up with the shot. So that that is actually smart. Like I like I, I just hate that he falls down after three point shots, and, I, well, and that he jumps forward. I, those are the two things I hate. I can't stand it. And as referees, you should know better at this point, and should be expecting some of this more. You know what I mean? Like you should be training yourself to know this is what he does. It's a superstar. The superstars get these calls, though. Yeah, but it, it, it's uh, it's been this way. It's been that way in the NBA since like the eighties. Yeah, but in the '80s, you also did earn some of your fouls. If you go look, it was at, a it was a more physical game. Yeah, yeah. yeah the uh, Pistons would all have been ejected and suspended for years. So, I mean, oh, no the more. bad bo- the bad boy Pistons could not exist. Today. They could they couldn't exist. They really couldn't. Um, they, they they were doing things that were just they were insane. Yeah, I remember Rick Mahorn one time wanted to fight the entire Bulls bench, and the Bulls bench wanted nothing of it. I wouldn't want to fight Rick Mahorn. There was twelve of them going, nah, bro. We're sorry, man. We didn't mean it, Rick. It's cool, bro. Twelve uh, against one. They're like, nah, this, I, I, I don't need that in my life. But this was, but yeah, I want to talk. I hate the NBA officiating in the bubble. It's a con- basketball is a contact sport. Let mm-hmm. there be a little physicality. But I think that uh, I think that wraps us up here, Brent. I All right. Think, I think that wraps us up, man. I enjoyed having you on the show today. Yeah, thanks for hey, man. It's been so long since I got to get in and just chit chat some sports, man. So thank you very much for allowing me on your podcast. It was uh, a lot of fun. Hopefully, I did not bore the listeners too much with my ramblings but thank you very much yeah for having me. so if you recognize the voice or the name brent brent bielski he is a former host of the 1440 keys to bench warmers yes show, which i used to listen to down here when it was around so uh when it was on the air so if you recognize the name or recognize the voice that's where it's from uh but brent we we're happy to have you on the show today man great job well, thanks def- man it was a lot of fun yeah definitely ha- definitely gonna have you back at some point um well yeah that wraps up today if you like the show hit the subscribe button uh, follow us on Facebook, right on sports, or on Instagram, right on underscore sports. Um, but yeah, this just about wraps us up. Uh, Brent, once again, thanks for coming on the show. And this has been the Right On Sports Podcast. Right on.